He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Stuck in the middle with you. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022. Good riddance 2021. And uh, we're going to deal with it in 22. Here is my prediction for the election of 2022 for the House and the Senate. Your right will rock you. We are going to win the House and the Senate, and we're going to win them by enormous margins. Uh, the House, I think we will rack up a margin of 60 to 80 seats. 60 to 80 seats. That could be the all-time record for losses in the off-year election by the incumbent president. Uh it is absolutely astonishing to talk about that level of reversal. It dwarfs 1974, it dwarfs 1994, and it dwarfs uh, 2010. Uh, we literally are going to be in the 60 to 80 seat range. And in the Senate, I believe we will get control, and I think we will have control by a margin of 55 to 45. Right now, it's a 50-50 situation. So let's break it down. In the Senate, there were five open seats. Uh, we're going to win them all. Uh, Pennsylvania, we'll talk about that in a little, little, little bit greater detail in a minute. North Carolina, where uh, we have a very strong series of candidates, including a former governor. Uh, Ohio, which has become basically a Republican state. Missouri, which is basically Republican, and Alabama, which is solidly Republican. And then there are Democrats we can knock off in the Senate race, and I think there are five of them. The most vulnerable is Raphael Warnock, the crazy guy, the lunatic who was elected in Georgia uh, in that special runoff election in January of 21. And he's going to face Herschel Walker, and he'll have about as much chance as any of the defensive linebackers did against Herschel Walker on the football field. In Arizona, Mark Kelly is the incumbent senator, and he did walk on the moon, which is great. But what on earth has he done? That's a line I used against uh, a guy named Jack Schmidt in New Mexico who walked on the moon but had a terrible record as senator. And my slogan for the guy that beat him was, what on earth has, uh, has Jack Schmidt ever done? And Herschel Walker and, and Mark Kelly, I think, is going to have the same thing. I think that when you compare the records of Kristen Cinema and her independence with her co-senator from Arizona, Mark Kelly, Kelly's going to be found wanting. And then there are two senators, there are three senators that won by the skin of their teeth last time that are Democrats. And by the skin of their teeth, I mean one point or less. Uh, Catherine Cortez Mastro from uh, Nevada. And uh, she's going to face Paul Laxalt, the son of the former governor and one of the most popular people 
in Nevada. Uh, in New Hampshire, Maggie Hassan, the senator there who won by one point, and not clear who she'll face, but I don't think she'll survive it. Those are the four races that most people think the Republicans have a shot at. I add a fifth one, Michael Bennett, the senator from Colorado. Last time he won with 49% of the vote. He won because his opponent got 43, and the Libertarian candidate and the other minor candidates wasted about six or seven points and got the Democrats elected. This time I don't think that'll happen. I think that we'll be able to pick that up. And then there are a whole series of governorships that we're probably going to take all over the country. Uh, too many to go through now. We will go through it as the year approaches. But the main governorship we need to focus on, the most important governorship in America, is the Pennsylvania governor. And that's because Pennsylvania is the only one of the swing states where the secretary of state who controls the elections is not elected by the voters but is appointed by the governor. And Tom Wolf, the Democratic governor from Pennsylvania, has appointed uh, appointed a horrible person as the Secretary of State, and then she was forced out, and another horrible person took over. Uh, both staunch left-wing Democrats committed to voter fraud. So for us to win the presidency in 24, we have to win the Pennsylvania governorship. I don't care what else we win. Pennsylvania governorship. Now, right now, it's going to be a contest uh, for the Republican nomination between an old liner who is a traditional rhino Republican and a Trump candidate in the primary. The old liner is Jake Corman, who is the head of the Senate in Pennsylvania. And he is the SOB that stood in the way of an audit of the Pennsylvania election results. He's the guy that tried to kill the audit, tried to kill the subpoena that was pushing the audit. The guy who was pushing it is running against him in the primary. His name is Doug Mastriano, a senator. He's been on uh, this sh- on, on my TV show. And I think that, and then there's another guy named Lou Barletta that Trump earlier endorsed, but I think that endorsement may have been premature. More likely are... One three other candidates that are thinking of getting into the race, Congressman Mike Kelly, Congressman Byron Fitzpatrick, and Paul Mango, who's the guy who, the genius who engineered warp speed as Trump's appointee and developed the vaccine. Whoever wins that primary is going to face Josh Shapiro, the Democratic Attorney General of Pennsylvania. And that is going to be the most important governor's race in the country. Some Republican against Josh Shapiro. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that, and I'll keep you posted on it. But basically, I think that we uh, are in excellent shape as we look forward to this race. Uh, On the Senate side, uh, there's Dr. Oz, who is going to run, is running. And his most likely opponent is going to be a guy named Jeff Bartos, who's a rich guy uh, who ran for lieutenant governor before. No evident qualifications, but he'll think up some. And uh, he's going to run against Oz in the primary. And the Republican will face the lieutenant governor, Jeff Fetterman, who is the Democrat. But in both of those races, I would give the very strong edge to the Republican. 
I think we're going to win the Senate seat. And most importantly, I think we're going to win the governorship. But that governor's race is the most important one in the entire country. Uh, the presidency really basically hinges on it. But you know, Donald Trump is the champion when it comes to Pennsylvania. champions, and we'll see that when Trump weighs in with his endorsements in that race. It'll be very interesting. Everybody in Pennsylvania now, the insiders are all lining up for Jake Corman because he's the boss and the head of the Senate and the establishment candidate. But Trump knows that Corman screwed him. Trump knows that Corman is the one that stopped there being an audit of the Pennsylvania election until very recently when he started to run and thought the better of it. And uh, he's going to endorse an opponent who I think is going to destroy Corman. And that's going to be fun to watch. And then that momentum will carry him over. And I believe he'll make mincemeat of Shapiro in the general election. Now, we'll go to a break. But when we come back, we're going to have a new feature on this program. It's going to be a quiz every week. And uh, the first caller to identify the correct answer will get untold riches and fame uh, and immortality. So uh, gear up. Our phone number is 848-9222, 848-9222. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Okay, you ready for your quiz? The question is, who will run for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2024? And here's your clue. Bitch is back. That's your clue. You don't actually have to call in. I know that all of you know who I'm talking about. But Hillary moved very close this week to, not to announcing, but to making clear that she's going to be uh, a candidate for president in 24. What happened was that she did an interview on MSNBC, which is kind of like Newsmax. It's the, 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 best organ for the Democrats, and Newsmax is the most accurate source of information about the Republicans. And she said, we're we're facing the possible loss of the House and the Senate. And she said, we have to be clear-eyed, I'm quoting her now, about what wins elections and how a Democrat can get reelected in a district that is not a solid blue district, but a purplish district where he has to appeal to both parties 
and independence. And we have to realize that if we insist on only elect, only nominating candidates who are ideologically pure, we're going to risk losing the House and the Senate and we'll accomplish nothing. And then as soon as she said that, AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ocasio-Cortez, came right back and said, the key to our winning Congress in 22 is passing the Biden Build Back Better program. And that unless we pass that and voting rights, in other words, move further to the left and spend more money, we have no chance really of winning Congress. So what she was doing here is setting up a conflict between the center and the left of the Democratic Party. And the issue is, who do we blame for the debacle that hasn't happened yet, which is the winning of Congress by the uh, by the Republicans? Now, that hasn't happened yet, uh, and we don't know if it w- – and, and we obviously think that it will. But it's kind of incredible that they're actually debating blame. The blame game has started – even before the ballots have been cast. But that's how evident it is that that's going to be the situation. And we're now beginning to see that field taking place. And I think that it's going to be a four-way race. I think that Hillary is going to run, and I think that she's going to get a lot of support, and I wouldn't rule out that she get wins this nomination. I think opposing her will be obviously AOC. I was the first political observer to predict that AOC would run for president. And more and more, if you look at it, it's coming true. The left-wing progressives, the crazies, are going to say, oh my God, Donald Trump is going to get the Republican nomination. We can't let Joe Biden out there. He's too weak. He's too senile. He's too unpopular. Harris is even worse we need a true progressive who will really fight for these programs like AOC. And with an opening, if Biden is forced aside, the establishment is going to go for Pete Buttigieg, I think, because uh, he's gay, because he's young, because he's got, they think, a record of administering uh, the stimulus money. Uh, and I think that the blacks will come up with a candidate named by Obama. And my guess is that that'll be Cory Booker the senator from New Jersey. Now, what about Biden? I think it is increasingly becoming a consensus in the Democratic Party that they cannot run Joe Biden. I think it'll linger on, but it'll become evident. Yeah, that has something to do with why they realize they can't run the guy. Uh, and it's the more and more this goes on, the more we're going to see that Republic Democrats are turning away from Biden. Uh, already, the polling shows that if he faces a primary challenge for the Democratic nomination, he only gets 24 percent of the vote in his own party. 75 percent vote either undecided or for somebody else. And uh, I think that that that's going to become clearer and clearer after the midterm wipeouts happen in 22. Let's go to Larry from Brooklyn. Hey, Larry. Hi, Dick. Um, You were talking about the elections before, and you mentioned Warnock. You know, um, the reason, I want to say, the reason it's become uh, not more than politically incorrect, but almost criminal, 
to mention theft in elections is because it's acceptable to Democrats. In other words, they are making it mainstream that if you happen to get away with it, you get away with it. And yep. it's obvious that Phil Murphy's uh, the election was stolen in, in New Jersey. Because nobody, you know why I know that? Because there was an example given. There's a Rabbi Blech who um, every in Lakewood, and all the Jews follow him. And they did not follow him because he endorsed Phil Murphy. So so you could say that as a principle, if Jews who follow a rabbi departed from that, then you could imagine everybody else departed yeah. from. Uh, well, let, let's stay on 22. I think that um, about election fraud, I think you're right that the uh, Democrats have incorporated election fraud into their playbook. But to do election fraud, you have to not have photo ID. There's not a way to do election fraud if photo ID is required. And uh, in mail-in ballots where you can't actually present the ID, the idea is to put the last four digits of somebody's social security number on the ballot when you send it in. And I think both of those are likely foolproof. And I think that as much as the Democrats are going to want to commit voter fraud, the most important way they could I think we'll be barred to them. But thanks a lot for your call, Larry. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the, about what's going on with COVID in this country and what's going on with Putin and the Ukraine and Joe Biden. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. You know, it isn't even a fair match, Vladimir Putin against Joe Biden. When you look at Biden. And these are Russian army boots. Uh, Biden is so weak, and Putin understands that. In threatening the Ukraine, Putin first put almost 200,000 troops on the border. Then he said the only way to resolve this crisis, like it was a flood or an earthquake, it wasn't. There was something he started and, and he's pushing. He said the only way to resolve this crisis is negotiations with the U.S. And then he said that I don't just I don't want Ukraine to come into NATO. I don't want missiles stationed in Ukraine. And then he said, and I also don't want NATO troops or NATO missiles in Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, or Estonia, the Baltic countries. And those four countries. Poland and the Baltic countries are members of NATO. So he's saying he doesn't want NATO to arm NATO countries, which is completely against the text, the spirit, and the and the letter of the alliance. So he keeps moving his goalposts back and escalating his demands. And he resorted to this absolutely phony nonsense in justifying it. He said, well, this is the same as the Cuban Missile Crisis when the United States put offensive missiles in Cuba and they, we, the world came to a brink of war until Khrushchev agreed to pull the missiles out and that this is the same situation. 
Well, that's total nonsense. The Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962 has nothing in common with the Ukraine crisis of 2021. There's more than the years that separate them. Number one, in 62, there were no such thing as submarine-launched ballistic missiles, SLBMs. Submarines could not carry ballistic missiles. And as a result, when you put missiles in Cuba, 90 miles from the United States, or you put them in Turkey right next door to Russia, or hypothetically in Ukraine, that was a serious threat. Because first of all, the warning time the enemy would have to learn that you will launch the missiles before they would hit the Kremlin was a matter of four or five minutes. Whereas when they launch it from territorial United States, it was more like half an hour. And the lack of warning time made it very serious. Uh, so, but with submarine launch missiles, anybody can hit Moscow in five minutes. Uh, they're, they're right off the Russian coast. They're in the Black Sea. We have submarines all over the place with missiles on them. And each one of those submarines have emerged missiles, which means they carry about 10 missiles and they have about 10 warheads on each. And 100 missiles is enough to destroy Russia. So the idea that missiles in proximity are a special threat is absolutely absurd. And the second thing to bear in mind is that the, is that the threat of those missiles, the threat of that attack, in the past, it was necessary to be close to the enemy target so you could be accurate in the missiles you launched. Missiles launched from the United States would be, missiles, missiles launched from Russia against the United States would be much less accurate than missiles launched from Cuba. With from Cuba, you literally could launch it into the men's room at the White House. But now you can do that from any place in the globe. You could launch your missiles from North Dakota and the, what they call the circular error probability in nuclear planning, CEP. Uh, it means 50% of the warheads will fall within that radius. And the radius, ladies and gentlemen, is 100 feet. So the, so there's no point in putting missiles nearby. Uh, you just, you just, you can put them any place on a submarine or in the middle of the U.S. and it would still hit Russia with incredible accuracy. So all of the justification that correctly impelled President Kennedy to bring the world to the brink of war over the Ukraine is not present here. So Putin is fabricating a crisis and fomenting his arguments. But the reason he's doing it is because he's dealing with a guy with half a brain, Joe Biden. Let's go to Barbara in Queens. Hey, Barbara. Hi, Dick. Uh, my question also has to do with election fraud, and I did hear what you said to that fellow who called before. I Good. usually agree with you on everything, but I don't agree with you on this. Anytime, first of all, if you don't have that day people going in to vote, it's rife with fraud. Anybody that's going to be checking IDs, last four digits of whatever, that's never going to work. You know that's never going to work. It's it, 
it, it, they're going to be developing this to a point that it's going to be spectacular to Democrats by the time it's the midterm. So even why though it, it work, should go the uh, way Barbara. you said, and it's very optimistic. Barbara, why, why wouldn't it work? Because it's rife with fraud, because you don't know the people that are checking. You don't know if the people who are supposed to be checking the people are checking properly. Yeah. The last time well, they that, didn't even let them get near them. That part is true. You're, uh, you're right about that. Uh, the, it is crucial. You, you're right about that, and good for you for calling me on it. Beyond the law, it is crucial that the secretaries of state, who are the people who appoint the election inspectors and oversee and control what they do, be honest, fair people, which means it's crucial that they be Republicans. Uh, that's why it's so important for us to win the governorship of Pennsylvania, because the governor appoints the secretary of state in Pennsylvania. Now, in the other swing states, we're going to be on the air a lot over the course of this year. And I'm going to call attention to all of the other Secretary of State races to be sure that we know the names and the Republicans who are running for that office. I'm going to encourage New Yorkers and those who are listening to this show to donate to those candidates, the Republicans running for Secretary of State, because no matter how the rules are stacked, if you're paying off the umpire, they're not going to work. So you're correct about that, Barbara. But with that addition... Once we have photo ID and four digits of social security number, not just any number, but the one that your whole identity is bound in, uh, I think that we can effectively prevent voter fraud. Let's go to John in the Lower East Side. Hey, John. Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. I'm listening, and I believe what the last caller was saying. They're going to try anything. And yeah. one of the things that how they, I believe they can get around it, it's not only about the check, the people checking the numbers, is that they, the Democrats can come up with last four numbers. And uh, how would the, these people know? You would ha- they have to have a checklist in yeah. front of them and say, "Yeah, they would." John, Joe, they would. These are the last four numbers. Absolutely, how, yeah, how they that? would. Of course, yes. Uh, they they won't be able to just invent a number. Uh, of course, they would. That would be a key part of it. And in the laws that being passed, that is there. Now, of course, there's a lot about the stuff you could do. Uh, you could forge signatures and, and have people accept the forgeries and stuff. And you need two signature verifications. And there are all kinds of things you can do like that. But nothing really gets to the magnitude, the number of voters where you can really steal an election. And most of these states, most of the swing states are passing very comprehensive laws to stop the voter fraud, certainly in New Camp in uh, in Georgia, with his theoretically Republican governor, uh, and uh, and uh, other states where there is, like Ohio and uh, and um, in Indiana, in those states they are passing laws that are very good. I meant Arizona. Uh, Arizona and Georgia, there are Republican governors who are signing good laws to stop voter fraud. The problem is going to become in states where you have a Republican legislature and a Democratic governor. Can we get those good laws passed? And those are Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania, um, uh, North Carolina, and um, 
Nevada. And in those states, it's going to be very, Michigan, I'm sorry. And in those states, it's going to be very important to elect Republican governors precisely so we can get their signatures on those bills and stop voter fraud. But I think we're going to get that. I think we're going to win all of those states. And uh, I think that we're going to make this work. So uh, I do not think this election will be stolen. The other point is that in polling, we talk about the statistical margin of error. How close does it have to be before the poll is is wrong at the edges and it might be one or two points in the other direction? Well, in these elections, we're talking about the statistical margin of theft. How much do you have to win the damn thing by for it not to be stolen? And I think we will exceed the statistical margin of theft this year. The best anti-fraud device is a landslide in the other direction. And I think we need to keep that in mind. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, Omicron, Omicron, Omicron. There's no end in there. And what it's, what's happening to us in New York and the New York area. See you then. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm we were all praying about the COVID virus praying for relatives and family and friends we know who are afflicted for them to recover and for the rest of us not to be afflicted and to be able to survive. And then, then God did something right out of the Old Testament. He did another miracle. Do you believe that he parted the Red Sea? Do you believe that he killed the firstborn of Egypt? Do you believe he sent lice and frogs and plagues to to protest slavery of the Jews in Egypt? If you believe any of that, or you believe that Jesus walked on water, you believe that he turned loaves and fishes, uh, multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Believe in this modern day miracle. God sent a virus to kill a virus and not to kill people. This virus is an incredible miracle. The left is going crazy saying, oh, cases are tripling, cases are out of sight, 400,000 new cases in one day in New York City, 100,000 cases in one day. They're hyping the hysteria hysteria, because it's their cottage industry. Pfizer needs to hype the hysteria to sell vaccines, and the politicians need to hype the hysteria to have you reelect them. But the fact is that, yeah, you're in danger of the flu, and you're in danger of colds, and you're in danger of all kinds of stuff, but it's not going to kill you. And COVID isn't either. In South Africa, where it has come and gone, it has a short up ramp and a very high peak and a very short down ramp. There are very few deaths. And in the United States, where over half of the new cases that are, that, in other words, over 200,000 cases a day 
or Omicron cases, and not a single human being in America has died of Omicron. One was reported on December 24th, but then it turned out that it was another, that he had been infected already, and the infection just came back and killed him. And But it was not an Omicron infection. So cut, stop with the hysteria. Uh, stop with the going crazy about this. Uh, this is a miraculous situation where we are not, we do not have the kind of mortal threat we had before. Biologically and, and, and chemically, as you know what a virus looks like, it's this circle with arrows protruding from it. And the arrows hit a cell and they penetrate the membrane of the cell. And the arrows become like hypodermic needles. And they inject the cell, the virus's DNA into the cell. And the cell then becomes a virus and spreads throughout your body. Delta and Wuhan have one arrow, that go, one needle that goes into the cell and the virus follows along that trajectory. Omicron, the whole thing is filled with needles. There, there are lots of needles on each virus. And they all carry Omicron. But Omicron is not as lethal as the other two. It does not affect the lungs nearly as badly. It does not cause deaths. But because it injects from all of these portals, not just one, it's, it defeats the virus, the other viruses. It gets there first and it, and it gets the cell injected before the other viruses can do it. So it puts the other viruses out of business. And this is a, a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And boy, if we ever needed this, we needed it now. Let's go to Steve in Ulster County. Hey, Steve. Yeah, hi, Dick. How are you doing? Doing um, great. Good. I wanted to say that I agree with those other two callers. I think the number one issue remains the Democrats' super competency in stealing an election. We must, must be on our A game. If we're on our B game, they win and steal it. Yep. Yep. Well, specifically, what that means is that you have every state, uh, certainly the swing states, in blue states, there's no real chance of it. Uh, you got to get them to pass the Voting Rights Act that passed in Texas and Arizona and Georgia and is pending in a bunch of other states. And in those states that have uh, Democratic governors but Republican legislatures, the governors are vetoing those bills and we need to defeat them at the next election. The election of 2024 will be fought out in the state elections for governor and for secretary of state in 22. It matters who wins the Senate, and that's terribly important. But more important, frankly, is who wins the governorships in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, and Arizona. That's where the election is of 24 is going to be decided. And if we lose those elections, we're going to lose in 24 and we're going to lose our country. Uh, 
Now, fortunately, it looks like we have succeeded in stopping S1 and HR1 or HR4, the the, um, John Lewis Voting Rights Act, that with the bills that Pelosi was pushing to try to steal the elections on a national level. And as long as Manchin and Cinema keep to their pledge to not kill the filibuster on these bills, we'll be able to preserve our democracy. Hell of a thing when it comes down to two people. But that's really the situation we got. Uh, but we thank goodness they're there, and thank goodness they are, in fact, standing up for this country. Uh, because we can't permit uh, the the federalization of the elections and the imposition of these rules. We just can't. Let's go to Norman in Brooklyn. Hey, Norman. Yeah. Hi, hi, Dick. E- even though I'm a mainstream American conservative, concerning Ukraine, I find myself rooting for Putin over our pathetic shell of a president. Does that make me unpatriotic? It makes you stupid. <laughs> I won't talk about unpatriotic. Um, Vladimir Putin wants to take over the world, just like Stalin did, just like all of the Soviet leaders did, and just like China does. And uh, his strategy is first to resurrect the USSR, the Soviet Union, uh, give it its old borders back, take all of the people of Eastern Europe who Ronald Reagan freed and re-enslave them, and then armed with a country uh, that twice the size of Russia with many, many more resources, then take on the United States on equal terms. And that's his strategy. It's been his strategy from day one when Ukraine separated from Russia uh, in 1991. And first he tried to do it by rigging the election in Ukraine. And he hired our friend Paul Manafort, who ran the Trump campaign, uh, to try to fix the election. Uh, then when the, when the, uh, when the rigged election elected Putin's candidate, the millions of people in the Ukraine turned out in the freezing cold all winter to protest it, wouldn't go home. You couldn't drive a car in Kiev, the capital city, and Putin had to back down and let Yashenko take over. The KGB tried to poison him, gave him dioxin. Yashenko was my client, and I know that. I was there. I, I don't eat soup. But um, And then uh, when he failed in that, he decided to put a pipeline under the Baltic so that he could cut off gas to the Ukraine. And that's moving ahead now, and we hope they'll be able to stop it. But now when that's failed, he's trying to invade and just out and out take over the country. So what's there about this that you don't get? Basically, look, you find yourself, I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek saying that to you, uh, but, you know, you find yourself with, you find yourself with just with Biden, just feeling that this man does not have our support, you know, does not. Yeah, he doesn't, not but, supporting you him. know, talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah, Don't yeah, do this I, to our I country. <laughs> well, we've had a good show. We've talked about, in the beginning, we've talked about what's going to happen in the election of 22. And that is, we will, we will rock you. Uh, Republicans are going to take the House. They're going to take the Senate. They're going to take them by record margins. And the nightmare of the Democratic legislative agenda will be over. And the handwriting will be on the wall that Biden cannot run. And he'll be forced out of the race. And that's going to open the door for Hillary 
and AOC and Pete Buttigieg and an African-American candidate, probably Booker, to be named later. There's going to be a four-way contest for the Democratic nomination in 24. Uh, Trump is going to win that, but that's how the pattern is shaping up. And then we talked a bit about the about Putin trying to uh, reconquer the Soviet Empire. And then when we just recent segment, we talked about how Omicron is is literally a miracle sent by the Lord to save the human race. It's at an order of magnitude with the ark that the Lord sent Noah uh, in the Great Flood. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Happy New Year. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.